0: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Gods Will Not Save You, The Wire Revisited. I am Willie.
1: Hi there, everyone. I am Jakob, and I am here with Willie to discuss The Wire, and uh, you're back here with the podcast that has the deepest reads on the hit HBO show. That's right. And if you appreciate our
0: deepest of deep reads, uh, be sure to give us five stars on iTunes or, you know, still not sure what other podcast platforms do, you know, give us the little heart icon. If you want to donate money to us, anchor.fm slash the gods will not save you slash support.
1: Remember the golden rule do unto others. Oh,
0: (laughs) nice. Brilliant little segue there because Today, we are, in fact, talking about season four, episode seven of The Wire, Unto Others.
1: And as you remind us, me, since it's just us two here, before we start recording, we only have 17 episodes left, so it's never too late for you to support and for me and for me to put best foot forward. There
0: you go. Nice. Nice. And, and,
1: and start doing unto others and doing right by you, Willie. So take it away. Woo! Nice. So
0: let's uh, start off uh, picking up in this episode kind of where we left off with Omar being locked up and uh, getting some assistance from Donnie Andrews and company. Uh, he's a little, like, perturbed that they don't have Honey Nut Cheerios in the cafeteria. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh he stabs someone in the um you know the uh, area yeah. down there that's in the area okay. yeah the anal area uh, just to kind of assert dominance after he's given he's given um like phone like makeshift stab proof vest with these phone books taped to his <laughs> his stomach um and what do we what do we think of that like that pretty
1: Brilliant, but brutal opening. Like, do you like it? <laughs> well, I just find it a bit ironic how uh, we've seen other... <laughs> we've seen <laughs> other characters... Other, I find it ironic how other characters who have been in jail uh, maybe have had a different relationship with books. You know, remember, D'Angelo got, got all them books. Right. And, read and then here, Omar's uh, utilizing an atlas and other giant books like tax code books or things like that right Uh, you hear all these stories about this guy uh, learned how to be a wall street wall a wall street trader in prison and read all all these books and omar's like i don't have time for that just give me the tax book to uh utilize as like body armor so i can go commit this uh i mean i mean and attempted well not attempted murder just
0: You know, he's asserting his dominance or whatever. But, uh, I mean, when we first see him, he is reading Ghetto Heat by Hickson, which is a (laughs) collection of thought-provoking poetry and prose that focuses on the inner city voices
1: of ghetto America, according to Amazon. So I just also want to let everyone know that, no, we're not... Uh, sponsored by amazon in any way right. uh we don't necessarily support slum lords uh <laughs> i know we may read from time to time a book review or a synopsis mm-hmm. uh uh you know succinct uh, summary of of a book written possibly by the person who wrote that book while in prison mm-hmm. allah linwood rudy, rudy. williams yeah. um uh, Damn, what if somehow Omar was reading um, his power What was
0: it called, power, power Moves? Yeah, what
1: if Omar <laughs> had been reading Power Moves and no one had, until this moment, discovered that? But unfortunately, <laughs> I mean, not unfortunate. Like, Ghetto Heat sounds interesting. Maybe we'll uh, do, yeah. like, maybe we'll just get into audiobooks, Willie, and just start reading the books uh, to you all that we have s- observed on camera. Uh All yeah, right. Uh, I, maybe, like... I'm crazy. Yeah. Don't listen to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, Omar's... It's like, you know, this scene is pretty famous. Right. But, yeah, it's pretty brutal. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of all the violence. Not a huge fan of the violence, I mean... Because this is not, like, the Omar... Like, you want to see different levels of much-needed violence from Omar. Not necessarily, cool. like oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to stab a dude in his his rectum or do something crazy. Right. Um, But, I mean, Donnie and the other muscle have serious pull where they can pretty much keep a whole room of guys at bay. Right. Um, Whereas, you know, on the flip side, on the side of the law, they're all, you know, discussing how Omar should be moved and um, he has all these guys who want to kill him, but it's like, I don't know was it that powerful of a statement that no one in that scene could have just gone like okay well i'll just run up and like there could have been layers of assassins you know like every born identity movie you see it's like one assassin pops through like the sliding yeah. glass door and then there's another one and like they've coordinated i mean, yeah there's like layers of assassins so this this is all they had like one little distraction and Omar is like is aware enough to be not only talking about honey nut Cheerios and cereal offerings, but then be prepared to like counter attack, you know, yeah. utilize his body armor, then stab him while like kissing him and talking about sexual stuff.
0: And this is after he like catches like out of the corner of his eye like maybe like the security guard is in on the whole ruse because yeah. he just like walks away like omar is uniquely uh hated by like everybody that he's Mm -hmm. locked up with and like all the authority figures who have known his like reputation from years and years um but what do we think of like donnie andrews yeah like one of like the characters that make up the composite that is omar little you know based a lot on like his exploits and adventures like all throughout his life. Like, did he have any say in like how this scene played out or like, do you think like this brought him back to like any specific instances that he experienced? Like pretty like interesting meta stuff that comes in, in this scene that all adds to our theory of the simulation running rampant in the Wire universe.
1: Yeah. I don't know because he did spend a lot of time in jail yeah, from early on. And then he spent a lengthy term in like serious federal prison or something right. like, you know, for murder. And he did kill someone. He admitted to it all and all that stuff. But at this point, I don't know. He must have been going through a lot because he was really on the, you know, up and up as far as you know, the messaging against uh, crime and violence and doing that whole thing. Yeah. So now he's playing a character where it's kind of like, you know, endorsement versus depiction. But, um, this is kind of like, uh, I don't know, like not Hollywood-esque, but you know, it's still very authentic, but it's like a very, like, this is a scene you'd imagine from like a prison movie or something.
0: Right. I mean, it's kind of like adding to the whole mystique of Omar being yeah. like a larger than life, like mythic character that you don't want to miss.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, it is, it is, uh, definitely something to behold there.
0: Do you think those are Donnie Andrews's like real, uh, tax books or like phone books that he like... saved from his lockup days that he just like lended to the
1: production for authenticity. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, this is what got me through my, my, uh, my sentence. And, you know, kind of sent me on the straight and narrow, got my mind right. And then from there, you know, all the energy fields led me to David Simon and Ed Burns and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And now like I'm here, did the work, man, reading tax code.
0: (laughs) I mean, I can't, Yeah, it was the last episode that um, I watched at one point with the commentary, and uh, they were talking about, like, how David, Simon, and Ed Burns had, like, kind of a disagreement on the depiction of Omar's character as he's walking through the jail, and everybody is kind of like... Slumarts! Yeah. Yeah, everybody is kind of like uh Egan to, or they like antsy to like beat him up and kill him. And like, I can't remember like who advocated for what, like I think David Simon was trying to say like, oh, Omar would be really scared in this situation. But then Ed Burns was like, no, he can't show fear because, you know, he's got a, you know, safe face and show everybody how tough he is. So they ended up like kind of going like a middle ground. So this is like kind of a scene to announce that he's uh you know gonna show everybody that he's not afraid to to get dirty. Yeah. But
1: hey man, this is like how does this compare to a Marlo like killing a security guard who stepped to him, you know? Because this is I mean, this is within the character or the arc of Omar asserting himself and you know like can't be scared and all that. Yeah. But he's doing something that kind of i mean this is different it's obviously different context to him being on the streets but it's kind of like you know he's really going for it yeah do you get do you get me?
0: no i get what you're saying like i think it's kind of like the mo of the creators probably at the time this show is coming out a lot of people probably like idolize omar's character and like oh he's so cool he's like so badass but like you know, with this show, it's all about the nuances of people's morality and stuff. So they maybe like had to show him like crossing the line a little bit to remind everybody once in a while, like, uh, you know, he's still like capable of doing really violent stuff. So don't get like too attached to his like persona and whatnot. So.
1: Yeah. Great points. Um, and then this kind of carries into, if you just want to keep talking about Omar, even if it, bleeds into oh bleed, um it's not meant to be like a violent double, uh, entendre. Yeah, double entendre but he has a conversation with bunk right Still, well
0: that donnie is like confused
1: like why yeah. do you want to call the police? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly there you go sorry so he somehow kept hold of that uh card like in it's so it's not immaculate but he's right. you know i i'm I lose stuff all the time uh especially if it's in my wallet can get destroyed right i just tried to clean it out actually before you you came by uh-huh not that i was gonna use it as a prop or anything <laughs> No, are empty. yeah yeah so what, what are your thoughts on all this
0: yeah well <laughs> it's funny that you say that because like it makes me think of like you know announcements that are coming out now like oh make sure you keep your vaccine card with oh, you yeah. at all times and i'm like oh fuck, I'm going to lose that shit so easily. <laughs> like, that does uh, not fit in my wallet, right? Like, I had to fold it up. But, um, yeah, I think uh, it's kind of, like, within Omar's character and kind of, like, within the character of the show or, like, within the reality of the show or, like, the characteristics of the show. <laughs> like, one tiny detail from, like, two seasons ago uh, is going to, like, play out or way down the line it was just like one little detail where Eileen Nathan was like, Oh, here's your get out of jail free card for like a misdemeanor or minor felony. So pretty brilliant that they were like able to, uh, bring that back. And Omar is like, obviously very intelligent, uh, savvy person. So I think it's, it, it tracks pretty well that like he would recognize that that was like a, a, Uh, an asset or, like, a weapon that he could use, um, you know, weapon that's different from the knife that he used to shove up that man's rectum, but, like, a weapon (laughs) to, like, gain his
1: own freedom. (laughs) Yeah. So do you think that had this uh, episode and season taken place in more modern times, he would have had Eileen Nathan's uh, get-out-of-jail-free card uh, already input into his apple wallet uh, on the iphone that donnie would then be able to sneak into him to utilize
0: could be yeah you know or he could have like taken a picture of yeah. it <laughs> been in his like photo album yeah i don't
1: know oh well, you know it didn't have the same like oomph like right had it's i a got in this card had i got it in oh no i was talking about the joke
0: oh i see
1: <laughs> you're like yeah man yeah no that was good uh you know, still, still working on trying to put that best foot forward. Right, got around a yeah dozen and a half. No, like, we're almost. Yeah. I mean, we're over.
0: We're only over two thirds of the way through our little project here. There's still, still
1: another lap to go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Abolish the Olympics. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's controversial, man. Um, but what
0: was I going to say? Uh, bunk he He enlists the help of bunk to kind of like be the middleman between him and Eileen Nathan to transfer him to like a more tenable situation and bunk uh harford county right uh he's not entirely convinced that um he did like murder a taxpayer but he's still like kind of like holding on to like the grudge he had from last season with that whole little shootout, like where kids were kind of like idolizing him in the streets for, you know, doing that little battle scene and screwed up
1: Kennard beyond.
0: Yeah. Repair to <laughs> screwed up Kennard to the point that Kennard is going to be the one that ends up killing Omar. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, Omar trademark, you know, diplomacy and like you know, beautiful rhetoric that he's using to kind of like flip the script on Bunk a little bit where he's talking about how he has to have a code and he gets Bunk to have like soft eyes in this situation. and then Bunk goes to meddle in a uh, Vernon Holly and Crutchfield's uh, little escapade with getting, you know with th- throwing the book at Omar. And that, uh, causes some tension. Crutchfield proclaiming, fuck the bunk. But, uh, eventually, you know, bunk is able to get in touch with Eileen Nathan and Omar for now is put in a better situation. So what do we think of that? Like, because
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what to think of all that, man. So like a lot, you're like, all right. Okay. So you wanted, uh onions and pickles okay add some tomatoes and like uh, whatever else okay here here you go what do you think of this it's
0: a very dense show like sometimes (laughs) i gotta like piece through it like like in retracing my steps like one by one like this is what happened right and then like this kind of like messes things up for randy in a way somehow yeah yeah. Yeah. i mean
1: yeah uh all the pieces matter all the pieces matter so crutchfield and holly uh Yeah, you know, they just, they want the stats and they honestly hate Omar like everyone who stands for law and order does, right? I mean, it's just like crazy Barack Obama who love and idolize him. Uh, Uh, That's incorrect. (laughs) I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, So, you know, Bunk's caught in a bind and whereas he was like a good middleman with uh, working out the situation with Omar and Nathan you know, his action or inaction, whatever you want to call it. Okay, that's way too big. Because Bunk is, uh, you know, making moves to help Omar out, even if it's just transferring him to a more safe uh, lockup out in the county, one of the counties surrounding them, you know, uh, he's going to be left out of being the middleman in a really important other matter with Randy, like you said. Right. So it all comes full circle and someone's going to get screwed. It's the wire.
0: Pretty horrible situation. Yeah. Carver is, I mean, yeah, we could like kind yeah, of just jump, move on yeah. to the cop stuff, right? Yeah, yeah Like just... at one point, okay. Let me see if I can yeah. like try to piece this all together. Oh, wait,
1: you can't piece together every scene from season four, episode seven of The Wire. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I want to yeah. do unto others what they would do to yeah. me, and like breaking things down like very infinitesimally. Whoa, uh, but, that, was a, that was a great word, but. At one point, Marlo is upset about this camera being there and is, like, trying to figure out what to do about it. He confides in Proposition Joe. Proposition Joe convinces Marlo to steal the camera. Steal that bitch. (laughs) Yeah. Herc is really upset that the camera gets stolen, so then he tries to come to Carver And then Carver is like, let me call Bunk. Let me call somebody that can get in touch with Bunk so that you can like talk to Randy about this. And this somehow gets Herc to be in contact with Randy. And he totally like, like irreversibly messes up Randy's life down the line. (laughs) Like, this is the big, we've already seen like the beginning of the end of for Randy for a while, but this is like, Putting more nails in the coffin at this point.
1: Yeah, so Yeah. Crutchfield threw the note, you know, away when maybe if Bunk would have found out he would have gotten there sooner. Right. But as we have been uh in fee for <laughs> uh, as we have been how do I not have like twelve synonyms for C <laughs> As, as we witness. Uh, yeah. <laughs> as we've witnessed uh, in the past, the police, you know, when tasked with uh, the welfare of a kid involved in a serious situation, mm. will drop the ball, fumble the bag, whatever I mean, you want to talk about it. We uh observe the trauma and horror that happened with Wallace due yeah. to their ineptitude and so forth. So.
0: I mean, with no. Wallace, it's like a bit of a difference because yeah. they were like in McNulty and Daniels's hands, and like yeah. they're like pretty competent at the time. And it was just like a series of mistakes that, frankly, like a lot of really qualified law enforcement officers could have made. But like, as soon as we see like Herc like roughly interrogating Randy, like the audience immediately starts thinking the worst about what's going to happen. Exactly. So
1: when everyone's like, oh, you know, Democrat city, like, oh, you got a problem? Call a social worker, right? (laughs) You don't need the cops? Maybe in in all these situations. Yeah. uh, If you would have actually just had a qualified, like, professional that deals with these type of... And there actually was,
0: like, a confidentiality agreement. Just, like, I mean, Randy, like, already feel like he's got a false sense of security or, like, a false safety net that, like, Everything Like, he's already, like, you know, snitched a lot. So, he probably thinks, like, oh, what's the, you know, harm in, like, telling them what I already know since, like, yeah. I'm, like, under protection. But, like, why doesn't Randy, like, let them know what it, like, that there are bodies in the row houses? Like, wouldn't that have, like, helped speed along the investigation? Like, is there a <laughs> reason why he doesn't just
1: drop that little morsel. Yeah. He could have just said, I saw a body in a row house. He's being evasive when he's like, you know, that would be maybe more innocuous than, uh, actually telling them exactly what he did. Whereas this is just like, Hey, we're being kids and just, we found something, you know? Yeah. Uh, whereas the other situation telling them what he did with little Kevin and all that, it's really going to be bad for him. And, I don't, regardless of what he said, though, I think that, you know, Herc is so self-absorbed and incompetent that regardless, he was just out for his own ass and, you know, worried about what would happen to him and only him. Probably doesn't even care what what might happen to Sidner, who's actually been stuck doing a lot of the work with the surveillance. poor Sidner. (laughs) Like, how do you not just meet at a, like in the parking lot of a fast food, like, joint somewhere across town, you know, and then I don't know. They just, their plan to make sure he gets home safely and doesn't get seen. I mean, any kid from anyone who is active in the area could have seen him leaving the police station. I mean, right. Bodie's gotten killed for less, like being in a public space and being seen near a cop. So exactly. Like, I mean, eh. but
0: that's kind of like at the yeah. height of like Marlowe's insanity. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's like a little bit more down the line when
1: like he's reached like full, like a Linwood? No. To me. I mean. <laughs> no. no uh, and we also want to say a few things. Uh, apparently, we weren't privy to uh, Linwood Rudy Williams actually being released. Uh, right. You know, at at our recording where we mentioned him first, which just, well, doesn't matter the time, stamp. But in Refugees, we discussed uh, Rudy quite in depth, and we didn't know at that time that he was actually free, right? Yeah. Willie shared a tweet from Justin Fenton.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: So uh, Rudy,
0: if you want to come. On. Yeah. Yeah. If you're out there, uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: we're going to try to get a whole range. Like we're going to reach out to old, uh, Norris Davis and, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of, uh, interesting people. It's going right. to be great. Yeah. Um, Okay. <laughs> So, yeah, where are we at? Uh So,
0: you want to talk a little bit about, like, uh, what uh, Kima is up to now that, like, she's free from, like, political interference and she could actually focus on the Braddock case. Like, really standout episode for Sonia-san here. Uh, She does, like, really incredible acting work. Uh, She... And uh, Ed Norris are, like, bringing in people to kind of question or interrogate about what they knew. She lets Landsman know that she was displeased with the whole thing about, like, having to stymie the investigation for political reasons. Uh, he's distracted by uh, Lester Freeman waiting for cases to come when he's working on his tiny furniture. He realizes how lucrative that hobby can be. Uh, You know, we talked before about like how some like cops were not necessarily like in higher tax brackets. So they had to like resort to like other lines of work. You know, Barlow from the first season was getting a price for pressure treated wood. Maybe he's doing some contracting on the side. (laughs) But uh, Jay Landsman realizes that he might need like a side hustle or a hobby so he could start doing some gig work and, you know
1: um but anyway <laughs> Solid econ- i think that real landsman was actually pretty active if i recall correctly from homicide the book in like uh remodeling and doing mm. all that kind of stuff like he had a little side hustle nice but plot was in the simulation do you think that mpr actually got like tiny desk concert stuff from L- lester because he's always making little tiny-ass figures. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> I bet you someone, someone like pitch that, like, oh, you guys watch The Wire? Of course we do. It's like NPR. Yeah. Uh, Tiny Desk, Lester, ah.
0: Let's, uh, okay, for the bonus episode, we're gonna do an origin story on the Tiny Desk concert and yeah. how it relates to uh, The Wire. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um... They bring Anthony Wardell in, who, like, have we met before? Like, this is, like, you know, first-time viewer, like, what the fuck? Like, who is this? Going-? Like, what? Um, they bring him in for a polygraph test to, like, kind of pick his brain and what he knows about the Braddock case. He kind of, like, toys with everybody, saying, like, oh, yeah, I'm a woman, but, like, also kind of plays it straight with them. Like, I wouldn't kill him because we're basically family and my mom knows his mom, blah, blah, blah. And then it's revealed to Kema that um the polygraph thing is basically a sham yeah like they could like make they could make it uh seem that it goes like any way that they want them to that they wanted to like they're totally in control of like how the outcome is perceived, yeah. and uh just like you know we've known all along that Kima is probably like the most honorable out of like everybody in the law enforcement you know she doesn't finger people that she doesn't recognize she doesn't like lie about it or she you know
1: you know what i mean yeah she doesn't identify
0: yeah all this stuff um so she's pretty pissed off about that and then she like goes off on a little investigation of her own she like discovers the real way in which braddock was killed Uh, you know potato silencers target practice stray round blah 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 kind of reminiscent of like the scene in season one episode four old cases where like bunk and mcnulty are investigating that murder and just communicating with fuck like pretty brilliant how this show can like communicate so much without you know ridiculous amounts of expository dialogue or whatever just like the nice little moments of silently watching people do their thing and figure things out before like any of us can like really (laughs) grasp what they're thinking. So again, great work from Sonia-san in this episode.
1: Agreed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, less is more, right?
0: Yeah. But it's like neat. Maybe it's like a little too convenient where it's just like, Oh, I see the broken steel reserve bottles. And then I see this little dent in the wall. And then I find like these, uh, you know, potatoes with abnormally large holes in them. Like, (laughs) is it's like all like the evidence just was like laid out there the whole time. Like nobody saw this before. Like if she wasn't pressured, if she wasn't under political pressure, could she have just like solved this in a pinch? (laughs)
1: Yeah, Um, it's all a little convenient, but. You never know. I mean, these guys she got was a was a uh, smokehound. So isn't that code word for like a wino or mm. get drunk? So I mean, they're, they're, probably they're pretty cla- careless and. I mean,
0: two eleven had. I remember like when we were in high school. Like, oh yeah, get the forty of two eleven that has eight point something percent
1: alcohol. It'll get you fucked up. Damn, I heard right. you guys talking about that, but I never. Yeah. Okay, sure. Um, <laughs> No, um, if you want me to cut that out, I will. Yeah, you know, it's like I've heard people say worse things about it. Like, I don't want to say. Yeah. No. Um, but yeah, I'm not revisiting any traumas. No. Uh, I I mean, you know, I'm searching for more analysis. Uh, sometimes I feel like I'm hitting that wall where it's like, this is why you didn't want to do this project because now you've seen the show. So often that it's like, you know, perverted my, you know, initial like uh, fuzzy feelings. Like, that's a good thing, too. But I mean, it's like, okay, uh, Kima, I guess, like, the first few times I'm like, oh no, uh, wh- what's like, going to happen? Why is she doing this alone? Yeah. Like, is she going to get, and I'm like, this is not how the show is built. You know, the suspense doesn't lead to a place that, you know, you know intense. That's, that's why it's great. Like, yeah. obviously, she's not going to get kidnapped and they're gonna have to do some SWAT team raid to free or like another (laughs) cop show or something it's just okay next scene whatever and that's great that's what's great about it yeah um but do
0: i okay sorry i kind of want to like circle back to the polygraph thing the La latrobe yeah uh, head
1: start yeah you want uh can i get some intel uh yeah actually if if you'd like uh Uh we can go deep dive into this uh head start um uh, this is just for willie um uh, let's see we're at the uh head start programs at the office of head start head start programs promote the school readiness of infants toddlers and preschool age children from low income families <laughs> is <that the> inter- <laughs> it's basically like a first five initiative for okay. like kids growing up in the hood <laughs> like okay. you know uh like all things though that uh Ed Burns has talked about where it's like you got to get them before there. I think he would go, we got to start, like, head start on head start, you know, zero to three mm. just as or more important than three to five. Mm. So I see. But, yeah, I don't know what you were looking for there because I was really intrigued. I wanted to, like, spoil it and be like, Willie, it's literally just like <laughs> like a, you know, pre-preschool for low-income okay. families, so... Yeah. He's like, why would I kill my mom's cousin's kid? Which would make them, what, second cousins? Because I call my mom's cousin's kids like my cousin. Mm. You know? Yeah. If you're listening out there, no beef would ever, you know, lead to anything crazy. Right. He's like, why would I do that for, you know, whatever, a drug charge? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Who cares? But you so, know. Pretty silly. Greasy Norris. He's like, did you know waterboarding is actually inconclusive? We just use it. Uh, terrorists, we're going to get you uh, signing off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, to be fair, I do trash on him with his whole terrorist uh, agenda. Ed Norris on his show apparently is like, a, you know, that's like one of his number one things aside from just like crime and kids on dirt bikes that need to be uh, run over or whatever he thinks the solution is. But he was involved in some crazy like pre nine 11 terrorism stuff in New York where one of the hijackers or something like that killed this like Israeli or Jewish guy, Uh Jewish American guy. And he was the one on that case. So he was like the guy who was like the expert before like nine 11 even set off. So pretty crazy stuff, but still greasy North. He still has a shady past. Um, He's shady. He's shady. <laughs> He's shady. He's shady.
0: Okay, <laughs> but yeah. So Kima is proving in this instance that she does have soft eyes that were are Oh needing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay. s- uh, and we move on to the whole Comstat meeting and what's happening. Or uh, what was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah,
1: Rhonda. Or, uh, you wanted to talk about Rhonda Perlman and the uh, subpoenas and Rupert Bond.
0: It's <laughs> 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 in it <Right>. the notes. <laughs> right.
1: So, yeah, she. Oh, sorry. You all right, there? <laughs> okay. My knee popped, and Willie's like, I'm sorry. That's how you. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh. yeah, Willie, yeah. I blame you for all the inflammation in my body and. Just pain in general. No, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) let's get to the subpoenas. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so
0: Rhonda gets a lesson in like how, like before, she was like taking these political calculations into consideration. Like, I don't know if I want to do these subpoenas before the election. It's gonna like ruin my career if I don't show loyalty to Demper because he's all about the stats. But then Rupert Bond who beat Demper in the election calls her into his office and she goes in there with like the assumption that she's going to somehow get demoted or like, you know, he's going to like, he sees her track record and maybe, you know, bounces her off to like something less, uh, you know, ride the boat. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. That's a good euphemism or saying for it. Um, but she actually like ends up finding like an ideological ally in him and uh he assigns a violent crimes unit to her and she ends up realizing that Lester uh kind of did a favor for her in a lot of ways even though she was thinking that he kind of like screwed her career over <laughs> but anyway uh so we see that <laughs> Ronnie kind of gets a wake up call in this little meeting that, uh, she should, you know, stick to her guns more often and not be so concerned about like her career. Cause what does he say? He's like, I admire your courage, but not necessarily your loyalty, but I admire your courage. <laughs> Even yeah. though like Freeman was the one that kind of like pressured her into that. Um, but then we also get to pay a visit back to Comstat and see oh, like yeah. how that is all going down. And like, how things like are less like confrontational but still kind of shitshow esque. Like, Carcetti comes in and does a subtle diss to Burrell by like not sitting next to him but sitting next to Rawls, and he's like kind of impressed with uh Major Daniels's conduct. Uh, you said, uh, It's in your notes. That he oh, yeah. <laughs> lays out Simon and Burns' argument about policing very succinctly. Do you care to elaborate on that a little bit?
1: Uh, I mean, that's more succinct than I'll ever be. That uh, note I left, apparently. No. <laughs> well, I mean, that's their whole message with this show as far as the cops are concerned or one of the bigger, you know, takeaways and I think that they want their viewers to, you know, right. hold on to is that you can't uh you know, uh you can't police the way uh you know we do in the war on drugs and that needs to be wrapped up so we can just uh put the what is it? Put the cops on dots, kind of like old Barksdale, the commissioner, would say. So I was, you know, just taking, you know, well-trained uh, cops to work good cases and do good police work and how the war on drugs has ruined uh, real police work and there's no beat cops that know how to write a warrant or type up a incident report these days. Everyone's just knocking heads or they don't say that, but everyone's just pushing street rips.
0: Right. So... But yeah, <laughs> uh, he's he's kind of like a mouthpiece for their uh, yeah. ideologies in this moment, which you oh. know, it's not the first time to happen on this show where you know, like McNulty or Bunny, kind of have like their little like grandstanding moment. But you know, it's interesting about like the way that they write these things, like where they're like actually trying to get like a message out there, like they don't come off as sounding like fucking squares, you know, like they have like a righteous message and it's like communicated in a way that's like entertaining, but not like, you know, I don't feel like I'm getting beaten over the head with like these corny ass
1: sentimental. Yeah. Um, anyway, do we, since we mentioned, it's very good. I mean, I know I might sound unenthusiastic sometimes, but it's just like, uh, working through it all. And also with, you know everything that's going on and stuff. It's like um, I'm not I'm not trying to be some bootlicker. Yeah, because then I might get a call from Steve O. Path. Shout out NEAS. You, you'll you'll oh, watch nice. it someday. Okay.
0: And we're dissecting the greatest show ever, and along the ways, you know, we're gonna find some you know little so some things that we gotta like uh, <laughs> oh. take a second look at. You know. All
1: right. I like that little. <laughs> as long as it's not to hit the pookie um but
0: what,
1: uh, anyway since uh
0: carcetti likes
1: him some daniels
0: that's right so do you do we want to move on to like the whole political storyline and carcetti's thing since he shows up at the comstat meeting kind of circle yeah. back to that
1: yeah so i mean where we and working from the uh back end of his uh little journey through baltimore with the ride along and stuff like that right or do you want to start more no so. let's do that yeah so i mean what is that though did the cops kill someone over there on the 200 block of calhoun or because yeah. like daniels is there just you know doing his thing and dropping you know tur- <laughs> like uh too many acronyms or whatever and uh carcetti's like i like i like that guy yeah. is that is that daniel's why is like what's he doing and they just kind of like, yeah, oh, some guy got shot. We have some suspect weapons. Well, what the hell happened? I'll, we'll look into this because, you, you know, you never know what's going on. Right. Uh, what well, we might dig up, but.
0: Right. And then as Karketty is going on the ride along, these two knucklehead cops <laughs> are like saying like, oh, you know what we got to do is just, drop white phosphorus on you know this geographical reference yeah. point that i don't remember to this geograph other yeah. geographical reference point that i don't remember i don't know i swear to god like my brother did it in fallujah and then it's like we get this like look on aiden gillen's face because didn't he say something like earlier on yeah. in the season about like how baltimore is like fallujah but he, yeah. and then like yeah. he's like having this like kind of moment of realization like oh like i fucking sound like one of these like idiots who were just like overly militaristic. And like, it's something that I said in a moment of blind rage and now I'm realizing the callousness of my remarks.
1: Yeah. So I guess he's at the Southern district and all the way up to North Avenue, which is like the whole, the whole city. They're like, we're going to miss the white L though. The white L that runs up along uh whatever Charles and like the, so you know, Baltimore, they say, is like the black butterfly and then the white L. Mm. So they're like, we'll 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 go up, you know, make sure we get the full swath of the other undesirable areas. Which, of course, not the black butterfly, right? Mm. Uh, but <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> uh, you but lost me there. I'm just saying that, like, if they literally wanted to do a white phosphorus strike from the southern to North Avenue, then I'm not exactly sure the location of the Southern, but, you know, there are swaths of white neighborhoods hmm. that run along, like, the center line of town hmm. and north of downtown, so, like, they're like, we got to make sure to avoid that, though. No, Oh, Jesus. But uh that's just me being, like, a rabble rouser or whatever. Anyways, uh I mean, Carcetti did say, like, oh, we're going to Middle East, which is, like, a neighborhood in the east side so okay at least it was like there is some reference to the context of like uh, the region right and then he's like oh yeah it's fallujah the army says they can use you stand up (sighs) fight be a man kill some iraqis oh yeah forgot to say it's their land oh man That, that was from a poem i wrote in eighth grade
0: oh Wow, cared it. I mean, maybe we could post that on the social <laughs>
1: I can't remember. There's no copies, but one teacher just remind reminded me all the time. He's like, uh-huh. this guy, like when I would sub, he'd be like, he wrote a poem in the eighth grade. Like, what are you doing, man? Oh, shit. Do you know the price of a barrel of oil? That's awesome. And I'm like, dude, I didn't know that either. Like, the hell, man? That's awesome. But he also said some other controversial stuff. Uh-huh. Anyways, don't like. If it sounds alright, we'll leave it. But,
0: that's awesome, man. Good on uh, you, right here. I didn't know I was yeah, podcasting dude. with the
1: poet, dude. Obviously, you haven't read Ghetto Heat, and <laughs> I have some stuff that's been from the hoods of Clay Street. No, oh, man, he's no, so stupid. But uh, yeah, forget those guys, man. They're they're whack. Yeah, a hey, they make good. Nah, never mind is whacked. He never like pushes back on any white person saying like racist shit yeah, in front of him. He's just we, like, Oh wait, Oh Norm's not even here. So I know he doesn't really give a shit. He just wants you we, know, to get out of here. And,
0: yeah. We get like glimpses of him. Like, you know, having a conscience or like recognizing that people are like saying stupid shit, but he does like the, you know, po- very political thing where he just like, Oh, this is, like, yeah. I want to hear all sides yes. of this. Um, but uh, uh, I know
1: someone like that. Very popular podcast. Uh, oh,
0: that was my metatarsal. <laughs> um, awkward uh, situation, like very cringeworthy scene where Tommy and uh, Norm are speaking with uh, Mayor, soon to be former yeah. Mayor Clarence Royce and Coleman, and kind of like uh, briefly rehashing how brutal this whole uh, campaign was and maybe Mayor Clarence Royce is kind of relieved at the prospect of like getting out of the business of politics and like they are uh, kind of like uh, complimenting each other on like the tactics they used at like you know stabbing each other in the back. Tommy mentions like the a uh, Photoshop picture of him in the slumlord, like the whole like misinformation campaign, maybe kind of like, uh, you know, those mailers that were sent out in the congressional election in Ohio, where they were saying Nina Turner was against Medicare for all and uh, this
1: and that. Uh, hey, I just got to say one thing. Okay. Like the Republic, you know, cannot stand if people are blaming elections on like, no, you know, malevolent influences and dark money. I mean, it's always going to be unfair, but you just apparently can't talk about it if you lose. I don't, you know, <laughs> Willie, if you and I are in a race and the other guys got more votes, they win.
0: Yeah, I don't know.
1: <laughs> God damn Okay hey yo, despair you know we got love for you but no <laughs> if you know you know and it's all good like we know where people stand i'm yeah. just like i'm being like facetious and we man-picky. know
0: that david simon is far more like progressive than like any establishment democrat and that like he's his heart is in the right place this show definitely was responsible for like Radicalizing me in a lot of different ways yeah. with like my political it, perspective.
1: What's um, and what's great is it's held. It's not only in my opinion, you know, held out like the through the test of time. But now oh it's yeah, definitely it's, it's, it's inspired me to like be like, wait, this is not radical enough. Right? <laughs> so it's it's helping me like it didn't even it didn't just draw me to a certain place. Now it's like I'm utilizing it as like a springboard to you know maybe go a little bit like more crazy.
0: Yeah. The show is more relevant than ever. And like continuing push the boundaries of, uh, you know, he, you know, if you know, you know, if every, everybody's listening to this, like you're part of the, you're in the cool kids club. Like, yeah. you know, uh, also like Tommy has this scene oh, with yeah. the former mayor at Werner's where, yeah. uh, this, he's basically telling him he is going to have to eat bowl of shit after bowl of shit yeah. as the mayor. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and, like, as he's eating a salad or something. Right. Times it, Y young Tony, right? That's young Tony.
0: Right. I mean, I think you have more. No.
1: I mean, it doesn't. I think we've talked about that, but I was like, wait, because I always mix up because the real guy was young Tommy, but he's talking to Tommy, who's mm-hmm. just Tommy. Right. Ah, Simulations. <laughs> yeah, he's like, why didn't you run for a second term? And he's talking about, like just eating the eating the shit right so but we all know why i mean real young tommy had a crazy sister no shouts out to the loans no (laughs) i'm sorry i'm losing my mind uh yeah man but what do you think about that conversation it's based on a real story which i can't recall the details of but we do have uh bill zorzi on the uh, tell a yeah. or the story
0: yeah william f zorzi as we mentioned before longtime political reporter <laughs> for baltimore sun so he probably had a lot of insight into like these little anecdotes um bill
1: before z william <laughs> f before z
0: but anybody who's seen the show knows that tommy has like greater aspirations of power and is not necessarily he's made like Eat the bowl of shit, but he like will yeah, he might like happily eat some bowls of shit if it means he can like get some more power that he's hungry for and not necessarily like listen to everybody's problems as thoughtfully as people might have thought he would when watching this show.
1: Yeah, he's a little full of himself, just like that bowl is full of that shit he's about to eat. Yeah. Alright.
0: <laughs> We want to move on
1: to, uh, you want to talk about
0: bubbles now? Uh,
1: bubbles, not bubbles of shit, but
0: bubbles. There, ooh, another brilliant transition there,
1: buddy. <laughs> yeah. We're like in third grade. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been a decade since I, this is a, I realize this summer is the decade anniversary of my first time watching the show. Mm.
0: Congratu-
1: Congratulations. I know. Yeah. I am 22 years old and I watched this when it was first airing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> uh, Bubbles. What, so what's up with the, is there like an allegory or some symbolism? You know, I struggle with like these them- thematic elements, which is why, you know, we make a great team because you you're very succinct and great at what you do with the analysis and everything. But he's looking through books right after the opening, the intro uh, where, you know, those were utilized to provide protection for Omar and his uh, devious violent acts to assert himself. But, you know, this is like Bubbles looking at Sherrod's uh, oddly paired school books. Right. Uh, and like kind of pity or just like, man, right. I got to ramp up the... The the pressure. Yeah, to get him off the corner.
0: I mean, but yeah, I mean, if anything, he's like, Wow, Sherrod is like actually like an amazing drawer. So like yeah, that was we sweet. should we should like nurture this somehow. Like he got me down to a T like in this portrait that I didn't even realize he was drawing of me. Yeah. Pretty
1: amazing. I mean, Bubbles is pretty prominent in this episode, which is great stuff, right? Yeah. Always like some Andre Royo, regardless yeah. of how difficult this is to to look at no
0: matter how much he gets beaten up by this uh yeah this junkie who's like it's like picking on him relentlessly it's
1: like sir you taking the pocket checking too far
0: right um but it's like okay you're talking about like symbolism and like metaphors and stuff you know this show plays things like pretty straight most of the time like very realistic uh, and not it doesn't get like too flowery or like, um, you know, heady with like all the potential symbols yeah. <laughs> and stuff. But it's like yeah. one of like the theses of the show is like the cyclical nature of life and how capitalism has people kind of like running around in circles where they're always going to be like repeating the same mistakes where it's like we see bubbles kind of like cycling in and out of addiction. Um, at one point he gets beat up by this guy. He tries to get officer Walker to help him with it. And like, doesn't really do anything. Kind of just like chides him instead for like selling DVDs with like as a copyright infringement and like pockets some of the stuff and like runs off without like pursuing the lead. But he has that ring on. Right, (laughs) That he stole from Omar Which Omar got from Marlo And Marlo got from Old Face Andre So it's like This circular or cyclical Thing of like how possessions Or like Life or ideas is just gonna pass from like One thing to another People are caught in like a Circular lifestyle where they're never gonna Really escape their own like predetermined fate And it's like also like In the intro, we see circles, like the tire, like moving around that that kid is playing with. And then the circle thing that's in the liquor store. And like, uh, one of the kids is named donut, which is in the shape of a
1: circle. (laughs) 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 Um, It's pretty good stuff. I never noticed any of this.
0: I don't know. It's probably too. I mean, you know. Time is
1: a flat donut. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um but yeah, but but yeah, man. Bubbles is running around in circles.
1: And I just want to say, if anyone needs to dance their pain away, yeah. it's Bubbles. What's right. up with that Rod Lee song, like in the background? I I never thought I'd hear it on this show. Yeah. So if any if if there's anything that made doing this project worth it, it was the fact that I learned more about Baltimore Club, and then I heard one of the, you know, great songs. Yeah. One of in, the anthems really. Yeah. In this, uh, in this episode, diegetically. Right. Exactly. And I learned that term from you really. <laughs> so man, forget all that stuff I was talking about earlier. I don't know if I watched the show too many times, <laughs> Willie. I'm just having like a, you know, a real <laughs> solid drop in my blood sugar, you know, that <laughs> Hunter salad or whatever it is. <laughs> you yeah. would think that I got the Hunter salad, but they should have really named it the Gatherer.
0: <laughs> oh shit, that was a pretty good one there. <laughs> Shout out to Rodley. <laughs> right. right, I mean, we is can't... that is that the time limit of how much we can play?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh. I don't even know if we but, can... But, uh, yeah, Bubbles' is a little lecture to Sherrod about how the corner is going to kill him basically falls on deaf ears, kind of like what he had been saying to him a few episodes back about all that stuff. So, yeah, going to end in
1: tragedy, their relationship. Uh, yeah, yeah, so do you want to talk about uh, Sherrod and his journey uh, uh-huh. while this would have all happened prior to that brilliant last scene where he's trying to prime off the corner with Rod Lee playing in the background. But sure, odds, man, he's down bad. He's like,
0: it's getting high. He's getting high and <laughs> like fighting Naaman outside of Cody's yeah. gym
1: with his accomplice or his like <laughs> the guy who's, uh, egging him on to pretty much almost kill Naaman if necessary yeah. is Sean. <laughs> Right? How crazy is that? Like this, this is intended, right? Sean, Sean, you know who this is. Sean. It's Sean Williams, right? Who's the initial kid that uh, Bunny and Parenti go to speak with? Ooh, the crazy stuff. So, but Fuck. so, do do we assume that he's been released from whatever charges he was being held for, or is this like an instance of you know dual casting? Or-
0: no, it's gotta be. Yeah, it can't be. Yeah, it's gotta be that uh that uh that'd be too egregious,
1: right? <laughs> so I mean, Bunny, I guess uh, was right. Uh, it's far too late with that demographic, and Sean like giving Sherrod uh, coke and all that stuff, and a gun is yeah. proving that, unfortunately. So, yeah. but yeah, naming is just not hard. <laughs> he never was, right?
0: <laughs> I mean. I don't know if I like. <laughs> yeah. In the instance where he's uh, saying "fuck you" to Miss Mason and uh, to yeah. Bunny, like it's yeah. pretty, it's pretty intense. Like his conviction.
1: Yeah. That. No, I mean he but, is yeah. in like you know certain settings, settings yeah. but it's like I'm and I'm not one to talk. Like I, I've gotten like socked and not like retaliated, but I'm not going to then go to you and like. Friends and be like, yeah, you see the other kid, like... Right. Someone had to come rescue me, not saying that necessarily happened, but... Total faith. I'm not like, oh, I've never ran from a fight or like, you know, because it's like, you got to use what you what you have. Ah, apparently right. that's not my feet any longer, they keep <laughs> popping. But anyways, yeah, it's just like, I'm not trying to be too harsh on him. It's just, you know, that's the... Uh, like the main point of this season as far as his storyline goes. Yeah. We see the evolution of his character and
0: he evolves into (laughs) like, you know, he comes into his own and like, uh, sheds the persona that he obviously wore so uncomfortably, Yeah, like stops. He, he steps out of the like limelight or he steps out of like his dad's, uh, shadow basically. And his mom's, he becomes his own person eventually. We Bay area ooh, that's a good one
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh,
0: get focused again.
1: Yeah, let's get focused and man, I'm, like I never thought I'd see a scene where an actor can rival Chad Coleman, you know with like intense, crazy eyes. Oh know? yeah <laughs> I mean, but then again, I never thought I'd see someone with eyes that are intense enough to you know basically tell off. Yeah, uh, coked up sixteen year old with a loaded firearm. Right. Yeah, and like ter- c- d- Duddy. No. Yeah. I got some things to say about the Dennis Cuddy thing. Right. Later, but yeah, what do you? I mean, I amazing mean, stuff. It's, a, lot, a lot of stuff going on.
0: Yeah, I mean, like we, like if we can just kind of like circle back to like what's going on with uh Dennis's storyline. He's come a long way since we first like met him. He's like apologizing to uh everybody in his gym for like having sex with some of their moms and then like you know like when we first hear about him like we is like oh yeah he's super cold blooded like he just like shot this guy like he shot this guy to death and then like called the police and was like come get him but uh yeah he he apologizes to everybody for being uh kind of like a man whore um and then he uh <laughs> he- he uh, F boy, yeah, we don't see, he, yeah, he apologizes everybody for being a fuck boy or F boy, yeah, like yeah. F boy island. Um, <laughs> but then, like, when he's breaking up this fight between uh, Naaman and uh, 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 fuck. Sherrod, Sherrod, he doesn't use any violence like uh, he probably would have in the past, but just gives like the whole like crazy eyes and like does his you know, like, you know, put. He's like kind of like a father figure in this moment where he's just like chill, like everybody calm down. Great evolution of his character.
1: Very Dennis of him.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Because that was my theory I wanted to bring to you. You Mm -hmm. know, Cuddy is walking up the hill to apologize to Spider. Right. Even though that's a pretty Dennis thing to do in the first place. Yeah. But he's like realizing there's more to being Dennis than, you know, just. Showing kids how to throw a cross or whatever, right? But and then coming out with that statement is you know at the gym apologizing for being such an f boy and like you know that's pretty uh you know it's pretty Dennis of him, right? And I also want to say like I know these two guys like pretty good friends of mine and they had the most ruthless your mom jokes. (laughs) It's to the point where if they say it around people who don't really understand where they're coming from, which is a place of like violence that they'll be like, Whoa, you said that to that person and they're, are you guys still friends? <laughs> right. You know? But it's like this guy, well, Cuddy, cause you know, he's trying to be more Dennis. Like he is like the person that these guys would actually aspire to be. Cause he's like really just about the action with people's moms, you know? Right. He like lives it. But, he lived
0: it. Right. But he's still like not totally uh winning over Michael. Like Michael no. still kind of like has like a yeah. bit of bit of like a, a grudge
1: against him or and Spider with like the line of the episode in my opinion. He's like step off, unk. Oh yeah. It's good stuff. Right he's back to being treated like uh, like it's still messed up no matter what he does like imagine how hard it must be though his journey to Dennis cuz he's like what I've been clean like I've just been helping kids box I'm out the game and literally anytime he walks up to a corner people are still like making jokes about him being a you know like cop and, cop and heroin or something like did, did did he have a drug habit too we don't know about or, or?
0: I mean we saw him do coke
1: and the like <laughs> uh, yeah i guess you know I mean he also yeah, got shot, shotgun <laughs> to blunt
0: <by> some, <laughs> Slim Charles shotgun
1: the, to blunt to him. At the orgy. But I mean, okay. <laughs> I guess. I mean that I, I pretty much walked into that one. Well played. But <laughs> he's like casually doing Coke before like doing serious. crimes. Yeah, basically he was kinda of like Sherrod at one point where yeah. I mean Zat, Zapper and uh Gerard Gerard were doing the beat down and murders. Right. Or getting murdered or like not carrying out the plan right. But yeah, it's come a long way. Um
0: it's come a long way, in fact, that he realizes that this quote unquote custodial position he took at Tillman yeah. Middle is not for him and he doesn't want to like play into the whole scheme of public school funding of just like getting kids to show up for one day a month. Yeah, he's
1: like, What does he say a man needs to show up more? It's like <laughs> It's like men need to be men and just show up for school all the time. It's like uh Mr. Wise, these are uh, twelve-year-olds. <laughs> <No. laughs> but I, yeah, that. it's the you know, it's the a, a man's got to have a code, right? And he doesn't want to be a part of driving around in that van. But there is also a bigger picture moment or at least it helped clear a few things up for me we had discussed about grace's uh journey to tillman and how that might have transpired and this is the meeting that you uh spoiled for me by bringing up a few episodes in a (laughs) before it happened so uh what do you what do you think
0: uh, I just am confused as to why she calls him David. She called him David? <laughs> Did you notice that? Like, I swear to
1: God, like, go back, revisit that scene. She's like, David, it's so nice to see him. Like, so, but I mean, she is at least providing us with some insight into a language arts position that opened up at Tillman. Right. And she's not at Ida B. Wells. Uh, but I don't know. Like, after potentially calling him david does that matter at all <laughs>
0: <laughs> i guess so but this is like i mean this is kind of like uh he was like really pining after her in the last season but after this he's just kind of like eh, i get like i just quit here oh you're here Uh eh, you're my ex-girlfriend i'm gonna go hit
1: on some moms instead like i'm yeah, over are you. you i mean you do have a son you you know. You-
0: his uh like quitting in front of mrs donnelly when he's like oh this ain't for me no more it's like we've already seen him uh like resign from a you know morally ambiguous position in the past where he quit in front of avon this wasn't quite as intense because like there wasn't fear there wasn't like that requisite fear of like heavy retribution of him getting like killed or something. But yeah, yeah. again, it's like showing his growth that like, obviously working for Avon is like morally, um, you know, bad (laughs) (laughs) territory, but like he wanted to like work at Tillman to like actually work with kids and make a difference and help out the community. But he's like, picking up on the nuances and realizing this isn't for him so he's like oh yeah this this isn't me either i i'm still on this journey i got to teach these kids yeah man i got to teach these kids got to stand and deliver that's right
1: uh, I'm talking about standing and delivering thank you prez is man he's he's coming into his own yeah he's teaching kids uh well first he's saying you can't gamble but then he's like oh well this is a teachable moment regardless yeah uh i mean there's a lot of talk about cards and dice games which we'll talk more about as we're both experts on. yeah we're the gambling guys yeah we're car guys (laughs) gun uh, guys casino guys yeah we know a lot about religion So if, you know, there was someone you knew that you were close to, this is just like advice for anyone out there who has someone who might be resistant to watching a show and you know that they're a huge into, you know, certain like table gambling games, uh, like craps, you just got to show them this episode.
0: Yeah. I'm kind of like uninterested at this point. And like, you know, if somebody doesn't recognize that this is the greatest show ever, I'm not really, like, I don't want to, yeah. like, have to, like, play catch up and, like, hold people's hands and, like, let them know, like, oh, this has things that could relate to you in your own life. Like, get on board. Like, if you don't recognize that this is the best show ever, then, like, what do we, you know, I don't have anything to say to you. So I know you you want us to, like, reach out to somebody and be like, oh, you know, this episode has something about gambling. This has, like, a... Mm-hmm you know, something you can relate to. You should watch this show. Like they're never going to get it. And you know what? Good riddance.
1: Right. I mean, if they can't get into it and they like gambling, literally the first scene of the show that he's talking about shooting dice in the alley by the cut rate. So
0: come on. Yeah.
1: Prez is realizing that like, uh, this
0: is, or he, well, he says to grace, like you have to trick them into learning. So he's like, let me go and find some like old board games in the basement get out some dice and they could like play craps and I could teach them about odds and probabilities. And then he finds like all these new textbooks and stuff and like unboxed, like computers still in their boxes. It's kind of like, um, relating to the whole theme of like institutional dysfunction and how people just don't realize <laughs> that they're sitting on gold mines. Um, kind of relates back to the season three scene where, uh, Mick, So it's a little bit of trivia from IMDb. In Middle Ground, which is a season three episode, McNulty finds a machine that can pick up phone numbers from nearby towers collecting dust in the police department basement. Similarly, Prez Beluski finds valuable equipment collecting dust in the storeroom at Tillman Middle, contributing to the central theme of institutional dysfunction. So just really uh, hard-hitting, not hard-hitting, but just like, illuminating scenes that show that, you know, people don't know what the fuck they're doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They don't realize that they like have like all the resources or some like valuable resources that can make a dent or like a difference in, you know, people's livelihoods and education. And this is kind of like taken from real life that Ed Burns realized that the school administrator had just like forgotten that they had like all this new equipment just like sitting in the basement somewhere so or did they no i think they really just didn't north
1: avenue up to something more sinister (laughs) uh, uh, yeah yeah so yeah tillman where well i mean we kind of did a good job talking about prez and finding new stuff and uh they're getting the tracking program yeah up and running and it's it's, rough start yeah i feel like i was way uh more on board no i I mean maybe i was like casting doubt on like oh like they said it was this and you know you can't track kids and ed burns was behind it and it would have worked, he said, and it was helping, blah, blah, blah. And then, oh, this really is solitary confinement. Like, with all the discussion about police, uh, you know, being in schools and all that, you know, this school to prison pipeline, it's like there's literally armed guards like flanking right. at any unruly kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, they're messed up, but is this program, I mean, like you said, rough start, it's like a
0: rougher start than hamster. <laughs>
1: right. But, you know, well, at I, this point, it's like, I don't know about that. Actually. It's encouraging Naaman, at least in my opinion, to kind of act out or it's provided another layer of like, oh, usually I do this, this and that to get out of school, to get to the corner. Right. Which I don't really understand because slum Slumlord. I didn't understand because Bodie was almost working out a plan with Michael. Like, oh, just come by after school and get that shit. But I guess now Naaman's working his own package, supposedly on his own corner. So right. he has to, like, he can't wait. This is not an after school strip. Right. Like,
0: meaning the corner. Yeah. but He's trying to go to the school of hard knocks. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Last chance high. <laughs> Pretty crazy stuff on Vice if you haven't checked it out. But, yeah. At Chicago, we're here to talk about Baltimore. Uh but what do you think? I mean he's now resorting to more extreme measures because he realizes it's harder to get kicked out and suspended, and right. that's not their message and their yeah. goal
0: <laughs> right <laughs> and it's like all these uh you know as bunny labels them corner kids are all in one room together, and we see oh, God damn it, we
1: witness one day <laughs> that legendary Wire podcast drinking game. We see. <laughs> Drink. Uh, <laughs> we want to make it through an episode. We'll be like trashed.
0: We witness how like, uh, you know, chaotic, like all these kids are together in one room. Doesn't uh, Miss Mason gets ca- called a cheese face bitch twice in this episode, doesn't she? Well, um, is
1: it Miss Duquette or Miss Mason? Because one Miss uh, Mason who we're going to talk about. Okay. Is like the caseworker more so off to the side, and then Miss Duquette. I think that's what. Okay. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but she was like more the teacher, like right. leading. But yeah, I mean, everyone's getting cheese faced.
0: Yeah, and Darnell is like blacked out drunk, and like <laughs> Bunny is like, oh man, like I got a lot of work to do to like reach these kids. But then Parenti's like, oh, this is like very. He's like looking at it from like an anthropological perspective or something, where he's like, this is yeah really like academically fascinating, like huh. this will go good in my yeah. paper. And, you know, I'll get all kinds of like praise for observing this and, you know, they're, they're still going to be, you know, stuck in this lifestyle, but I'm going to get published in major, uh, research journals and my career will take
1: off because of this. Like, just it, like this podcast, man, <laughs> it's all fascinating for us to, to, to observe, you know, from my, from you know anthropological and sociological no, come standards.
0: on i'd like to see my I, I don't know i don't know how i see
1: myself um, i mean i'm being sorry like obviously we're yeah. here because like we have a deep affinity for the like city and right baltimore and just learning about the culture and we're
0: but yeah bunny and uh parenti are seeing this situation unfolded for them from like two totally different lenses and like Naaman is on his whole like i'm gonna you know fuck it I'm just gonna like try to get myself suspended anyway so uh I can like get out of school but they're like no like we really care about you and we're gonna try to do like everything we can to reach you and you feel like that is a a wrong headed approach or what do you oh
1: no, no I'm just like you're you know like come on man we're like two crazy like detroit rappers going bar for bar back and forth no choruses just bam 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 it's like it might yeah. be choppy sometimes but yeah. i'm excited like what you're saying it's like bumping me up to like new levels but not really uh because yeah. i can't deliver um but i'm trying to put my best foot forward i mean 17 <laughs> episodes uh yeah i mean oh name it he's going full sean williams yeah. in that in that moment. So everybody is just on some bizarre, like, turnstile carousel. This episode, <laughs> we've added another layer to the simulation, another yeah. dimension, thanks to Willie. Nah. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty, yeah. I'm not going to lie. Like, as much as I will sit here and say Naaman is soft, and, I mean, we both, you know, it's apparent, you know, but... I was like, well, I probably wouldn't want to be in that room right now. But that's scary. No. Uh, but yeah, I don't really know what else I mean to say about old naming. Um, pretty crazy kid, but bunny's trying to step in and do what he thinks could help, you know, like maybe taking a softer approach. Cause he's like, yeah, he's not, you know, he's a little, older it's not trying to knock heads but yeah i'm surprised that like the cop or like no one just started like whooping on name (laughs) like like if he wouldn't have been in that classroom i mean doesn't he
0: knock over a desk like he's like yeah purposefully like trying
1: and you know maybe this is like a bigger point too whereas if you got to get to like policing can't help everyone ed burns will say you got to get them before the corner but had Naaman maybe not been through this program while it is controversial. He could have ended up like bird who's handcuffed to the interrogation table insulting the cops, but then he's like getting beaten after he's killed people. Right. But yeah, man, let's talk uh, a little bit more about the characters involved in the more like rehabilitative aspects of this program. You got the teacher gets keeps getting insulted by Albert and called cheese space mm-hmm. and Miss Anna who I just kind of stumbled across on the IMDB page is played by Catherine Schmoke who just happens to be Kurt Schmoke former mayor's daughter right and I've sent you a little snippet and she yeah. was like involved in maybe some controversy kind of surrounding her upbringing in Baltimore and education because of
0: Miss Mason right not Miss Anna that's Randy's oh, did I say Miss Anna yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, I no, that's totally
1: ruined all this. so Miss Mason this, the social worker or right. case worker
0: right yeah Kurt Schmoke's daughter yeah. there is some controversy surrounding uh, I mean, where her father chose to send her to school right but yeah. then on her own of her own volition she decide to go back to public school
1: yeah, like the prestigious, uh, was it the Baltimore School for the Arts? And do you have more intel on this? Is that where Tupac, Tupac went? And... <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Like Jada Pinkett Smith, maybe that's where I've like I've only seen a couple movies. Like I'm not a hip hop head. Like I don't know nope. much. But... They
0: yeah they went to uh, Baltimore School for the Arts and they you know picked up their gear from Mundhamen Mall.
1: There you go. Um, so pretty crazy though that even Kurt Schmoke was wrapped up in that because I know I'm kind of talking trash about Carketty in the past episodes about what like St. Albans, the private school for boys in DC, and he oh, like he sent his kids to private school, and so did, uh, you know, uh, like other mayors and da 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 da, and um. Jesus, i like. No, I think no. Keep going. Uh, <laughs> you're making. You're 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 getting it. No, I mean, uh, it's just yeah. I mean, Kurt Smoke was involved too, so it wasn't just O'Malley who like we can trash on for sending his kids to private schools and whatnot. Right. Like, if you're the mayor, you probably live in the more or most affluent parts of Baltimore. I mean, Kurt Schmoke. I think she went like the public school she was going to at a younger age was like Roland park elementary or something. And then she would just go across the street to a private girl's school. And that drew controversy when she was younger. Mm -hmm. And then when they lived in Ashburton, which was like a nicer enclave, maybe near where Jimmy lived at Ashburton woods, it's like a historically black kind of neighborhood as like white flight happened is, you know, really nice area and stuff. She went to public school there, but I'm just like, what effect does it have on her? like, like growing up, yeah. yeah, just being like people writing op eds and oh Kurt Schmoke made a choice. He sent his kid to private school. Oh, now she's going back to this. It's like some bizarre like quarterback and free agency. And right. everyone's like constantly like, What are they gonna do next? It's like she's a kid. I mean, yeah. She, but hey, I mean, she got some good stuff at the School for the Arts because you know, she does a great job. Yeah. As Miss Mason. Mason. <laughs> yeah. Not Anna. I can't believe I said that. No, it's okay. I'm like in like parentheses, sending you stuff, Miss Mason. And then here I'm like, Miss Anna.
0: <laughs> but also like, what is, uh, I mean, like what effect does it have on her psyche when David Simon is saying things like, you know, other cop shows like CSI just have no value to me. And then, you know, they're not worthy. And then she ends up having a guest spot on CSI Miami for one episode playing allison in the 2009 csi miami episode target specific like do you think that
1: messes with her No, she's probably like dude i'm a working actor dad like kurt smoke yeah he's not paying my bills though so yeah. um you know i gotta work so screw it like go screw yourself david but <laughs> don't because like we worked to get like we in something truly great and you would have had nothing had my dad not actually built the city that you could film in or on the contrary he didn't actually fix the school district and now created this mess that ed burns had to exist in no
0: yeah Uh, i made a bad that was a bad joke that i made there
1: that was good man you are doing good i mean we've both made some pretty like if we left this episode uncut and like someone listened to it they'd be like what the hell is this dude (laughs) ah fake trout." uh but i mean i don't know man that's a pretty pretty crazy thing i never expected that i mean we had uh white mike whose mom was pat moran which you mind so like where does this stack what? up yeah i mean and then all, yeah 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 so many this... layers man it's like <clears throat> wait is she the real Catherine schmoke because like you know hasn't
0: yeah, is yeah. it or is this like the Frank Reed situation? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's the real cat. Co- we're not. We're yeah. breaking the simulation here. Like this yeah, is that's too much. This is reality.
1: <laughs> we're doing great. We're almost there, right? We're almost. there. Yeah. I mean, I don't like. I think it's pretty much. What else do we have? Yeah. <laughs> to talk, like. Uh. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Like, who's better at talking? Like, who would roast harder in like a battle, Kennard or Albert? Uh, I don't know, cause Canard kind of uh, give like
0: lays it on thick to Naaman at yeah. one point when there's the whole package dispute, right?
1: Because yeah, he's scared and he's like, "Why are we on Mount?" Which is you know, West Side, but uh, yeah, I mean, Kennard like ultimately, yeah, he's the scariest in my yeah. opinion. Uh, he kills almost yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and he's like lighting cats on fire. Albert's just like deeply traumatized and we we're not getting a glimpse really of him outside of school, yeah, really. let's
0: uh wrap this up. let's hour twenty right, yeah, let's get out of the circle yeah. let's let's break the circle, yeah, we're only at an hour and forty four minutes okay. uh, not <laughs> yeah. too bad. um, but anyway, if you made it to the yeah. end, you're amazing, Thank you so much. Again, this is The Gods Will Not Save You. If you want to follow us, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
1: Give us a shout out. And if you'd like to reach us by uh, email, do so at you at gmail.com. We'd love to hear any questions, comments, concerns. Uh, Please, yeah. Yeah.
0: Also, thank you to MostArt, who did our wonderful intro and outro music and did some of the bumpers. Check them out at mostart.com.
1: Do... Indeed, Uh, and shouts out to our guy Andre Tesnis, great guy, great designer, artist, what have you. Awesome emblem, super legit. We appreciate it forever. Right on. All right,
0: thanks everybody.